people what's going on it's your boy Kaz here once again with the say less podcast thank you the whistle sports and brother networks for pushing out the podcast each and every week each and every day we checked out yesterday's episode with lavar ball man done great and uh, a lot of people are checking it out but the full video will be out this friday with all types of extra production and phantasmic excellent uh you know things that will be added to the interview. It was great. It was really open. I mean, I don't feel like um, you really get to hear a guy like LeVar Ball really open up like he got to with me. So if you enjoy it, man, share it. Tell a friend. Um, We're we're growing this community each and every day, each and every week. So uh, share the podcast, man. You're never too cool to, you know, leave a comment, leave a review, share something, do all that stuff because I need it. I need it. And that's what helps podcasts grow. That's what helps continuing to get dope guests. And today is a dope guest indeed. Um, This man that we're going to talk to today, I mean, there's no other way to say it. He is probably the greatest R&B producer of my lifetime. Um, Man, when you talk about Usher, Mariah Carey, Mary J. Blige, Tony Braxton, Aaliyah, uh, Beyonce, like... Everybody, Jermaine Dupree, an absolute legend. Um, Brian Michael Cox is on the show today, and I love doing episodes like this because it's rare that, uh, you know, everybody knows or anybody who's followed my career knows that, um, you know, my journalism career, especially my music writing career, started in the world of music. I love sports. I love all that type of stuff, but music is where... um, I got my start, so I'll always have a love for it. But obviously, you know, we all get older and, you know, the music changes and the, the, the industry changes and you kind of, no, you don't fall out of love with it, but you just find new ways to keep yourself um, enthused about what you're talking about and who you're writing about. So I still write for music from time to time. Like I know I've done some stuff with Paper and Complex and a couple of other publications, but, but uh, you know. Now that I have my own platform on a, on a, on a pretty large digital network and whistling brother, I, I get to have these great conversations with people, these great music nerd conversations. So, I mean, I know you guys that listen to me for sports and all that type of stuff, but if you're a music nerd, man, this is, this is it right here. This is one of the, my, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. This is my favorite interview I've done since uh, I started Say Less. And there's been a lot of people I've got to talk to, but this guy just has gems and stories for days. I mean, we talk about going to high school with Beyonce. We talk about the making of confessions and, um, you know, the fallout with Jermaine Dupree and getting back together with Mariah Carey during the making of The Emancipation of Mimi, one of my favorite favorite albums of all time um man and then the creation of uh you know mary j blige's the breakthrough chris brown's debut album um just my high school and college life is is pretty much produced by this man uh he's got a guinness world record for the longest consecutive period of chart success like Tied with the Beatles. Like, this is the type of guy we're talking to today. So, um, he's been responsible for over $100 million, well, 100 million album sales. He's got 35 number one hits, 12 Grammy nominations, including nine wins. He's inducted into the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. Um, man, this is without a doubt my favorite conversation I've had with anybody on Say Less. But if you're enjoying it, make sure. You subscribe, make sure you tell a friend, make sure you pass it along, 
you know, person to person, people to people, brick by brick, we're going to continue to build this thing. So um, I'm not going to talk too much because it's a pretty lengthy chat, but uh, you'll enjoy it, especially if you're a music nerd like myself. So Emilio, please, as you do ever so kindly and often, hit the motherfucking music. First off, man, how you, how you holding up, man? I like to ask everybody that question first, and it's such a loaded question, but because there's so much going on in the world. I know, right? It's so much happening. Um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, under the circumstances, you know, we're holding up okay. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. just trying to, you know, keep our mental correct and keep our, you know, mental health in order and our emotions in check. You know what I mean? Right. Um, um, I've been trying to utilize this time to really, really just, you know, I haven't really been making much music. I mean, I've made, I mean, I've been making music with Jermaine, just sending him stems and stuff. But I haven't really been making much music. I've been just using this time to really get enlightened and try to inspire and also just using the the medium that I have to kind of touch people in ways that I normally hadn't been able to. Mm-hmm. So um under the circumstances, it's been, it's been, it's been some civil lining there. Um, but the awakening is, you know, real. And that's, you know, that's the heavy, you know, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Go ahead, go ahead, brother. I hope that was another smoke alarm. <laughs> Let me pause this. Real. The awakening is, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's what's heavy on, you know, heavy on at least my shoulders. I know a lot of our shoulders right now. Like we're like, yo, it's a real awakening happening. You know what I'm saying? Percent. It's, it's funny that it's funny that uh, it's the year 2020 and now yeah. everything is in 2020 vision as far as just so many things happen in the world, whether you're a black man, whether it's police brutality, whether it's mm-hmm. the way the government looks at you and this mm-hmm. virus and everything going on. For real. Wale is a good friend of mine. And he said years ago, this is years ago, he told me this. He said every record deal should come with a therapist because <laughs> this this entire game is something that will really eat you up. And especially now where we don't know when the next time people are going to be torn. You really don't know how they're going to be making money. Like the entire industry's kind of been flipped on its head. How have you been holding up with it as far, especially when it comes to, you know, shining a light on mental health, especially if you're an artist, being the person that you've worked with? I mean, it's really interesting. I think that for me, you know, luckily I've been, you know, as a, when you're a producer songwriter and if you've made some, you know, you know, if you haven't done, I mean, I've done some crazy things in the past with my money, but if you haven't done, if you were just stupid with your paper, um, you know, that, that consistent, you know, every three months or every month, you know, you go, you, you get a check, whether it's, you know, $2,000 or $20,000, you know, you get some type of income, you know what I mean? Right. So I've actually, you know, been able to, you know, kind of stack paper and, and be, be in a whole different place mentally than normally, because when I'm out moving around, you spend the money, spend the money, right. spend the money. So, um, it's been, you know, I'm, I'm in a space now where I've been able to like start stacking money and really, really stack in a way that I, I hadn't really been able to in a while. You know what right. I mean? Um, um, but I think the mental, I think what people's mental health is, I, mental mental health is, I think that we need to have these di- have this open dialogue because I feel like we don't address mental health. We usually, especially as artists, our mental health, our therapist usually is, you know, the art. Right. Right. Usually you go into the booth, you go into a pen, yeah. you type in, that's where you get your therapy out. And that, yeah. that could be good for a while. Well, wow. But like in times like this where, you know, people, you know, people that are making a living off their art 
and can't really get, you know, get it off like they, you know, like, like normal, you know what I mean? Like record labels are on a whole nother playing field right now when it comes to like how they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving with this, you know, with this, with the this pandemic whole, or, yeah. or just the way people yeah. want to put their music out. Like I kind of yeah. feel like, and, and here's something I really want to ask you. Um, when you go to a job, right? Like if you, if you're working a nine to five, they give you health benefits. They give 100%. you, you know what I mean? They give you uh you can hear, take this card. If you get into a car accident show this card, you'd be able to pay for your, your medical bills and all this type of stuff. Like, do you think eventually it's on record labels and it's on, you know, the people who sign these artists to be like, okay, like, when we sign you, we're going to make sure not only your physical is taken care of because we need you to perform, but we need your mental as well because not only do we need your artistry to be able to create this music that we're eventually going to monetize, but we need you to not lose it in, in the midst of all this because there's so many things that will happen to you. I got one better for you. Like, they don't handle your physical. They don't handle you. Like, oh. you, you're on your own. Like, you know, you get that advance. You know what I mean? And you're literally on your own. Like you don't have, we don't have, there's no health insurance policies that come with your record deal. Like that mm. don't happen. Mm. You know, you literally, you, you do a co-publishing agreement with a major publisher. They don't include health and benefits with that. If they're paying you $5 million to sign up a, a publishing deal, then you got to take care of it. Mm. And I think that, I think it's unfortunate, you know, cause a lot of people don't, you know, especially they, when they see that $5 million deal and they're like, Oh man, I got, five million dollars but not realizing yeah. the only reason why the, a good reason why they're giving you this big amount of money is the money already or the potential exactly exactly you know, you know, so my thing is like i feel like it's unfortunate that record labels don't do that you know especially when they have you know it's a corporate the corporation so they have health they got the money they got the money and they got the policies. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? They actually like have the, the policies. The publicist and the manager and the people that are working with the artists all have great health benefits, but the yeah. artist doesn't. It doesn't make yeah. – it's never the made ARs, sense to The executives, the chip, everybody, they all have incredible health benefits, you mm-hmm. know, but the artists don't and the, and the, and the creatives don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a recording artist, but I'm a, I'm a songwriter that's in – you know, that, that had been in a co-publishing agreement with Warner Chapel for almost 20 years, asked them one time about health insurance. Like, it just... It just have you ever even asked them about it? Like, hey, like... It doesn't happen. They, they, they don't do it. It's, mm. it's just, you know, you, you have to go get your own. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And look, for me, I, I believe in it. So I, I you know, I don't, I don't mess around when it comes to health insurance. I actually, you know, that's a part of my whole thing. But but there are a lot of people who don't think about it. A lot of people go, they pay cash, go to the doctor, they pay in out their pocket. Like remember Kanye West got in that, you know, car accident, you know, he had to pay for that shit. He didn't have other shit. You yeah. know, he paid, he, you know, he, he paid a new grill and everything. Yeah. yeah. He paid like tens of thousands of dollars, you know, in the hospital because he didn't, you know, it's just, it's just, it's not a thing. If we're making money, if we, you know, we're not thinking. Most of us aren't thinking, oh, let me go get an insurance policy. And that's a wild thing to think about because you mentioned, you mentioned Kanye West, right? And this is a guy who, you know, we've all kind of like watched his career for so long. And one of the biggest things that kind of came from his, his career jumping off was that accident. Mm-hmm. And as much as the physical toll of being in a car accident takes on you, the mental toll takes, on, takes it on as well. Absolutely. And nobody really realizes that. And then you, and then, you know, I'm not going to, I love Kanye, everything he's done, but like, you see what happens when, when that mental doesn't get and take care of as well. Like you just never know how those dominoes will fall and yeah, what it'll I mean, kind of, uh, uh, you know, relate to. 
and, and how we deal with trauma. Like we don't deal with trauma because we, we, as a culture, we have, we have a traumatic history. Mm. Trauma's in our DNA, right? So from slavery all the way down. So when things traumatic happens to us as a culture, we kind of just deal, it, it, we're taught or, or, or something innately inside of us is like, oh, we can handle it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the reality, like. It's a need, defense mechanism. It's honestly. a defense mechanism. Yeah, we it's need, like. We need to really, really identify this pain, this trauma that we dealt with all these, you know, for, for all these centuries. Um, you know, from 1619, we have to really, really identify this, 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 this trauma. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And deal with it as a, as a culture. You know what I mean? Um, um, cause it's embedded in us, you know, it's in that, that, that what slavery, slavery, I don't think people realize how. Man, people, we can, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll be here for hours talking about that. You know what I mean? That, I think man. people <laughs> say they realize it. I think people say they realize how intense slavery was. We don't, we have no, there are things I'm learning about slavery now. Mm. In the past maybe five years, right? Well, mind you, you know they, they teach you about slavery. Growing up, my mother told me, you know, I, I read some books, and you know, I, I, it's a part of our culture. We have to learn about it, right? Right. But there's some details that that are being unearthed that I never would have. I mean, the, it's just ridiculous. Like even even I mean. The worst part about it is even as bad as slavery is and as bad as the sort of trauma that we haven't really unpacked as people yet. I'm even just even something as recent as the civil rights movement. Like just I'm I'm just learning for the first time. The reason why they put those photos in black and white is to mm. let people think it was so long ago. Yeah. I'm like, yo, this was like 20, 30 years ago. It wasn't that, it wasn't that long well, ago. Civil <laughs> rights movement. My mother is 60. I'm, I'm, I'm 42. My mother 63. Uh huh. You know, my, my grandfather's ninety one. He'll be ninety two next month. You know, these people are alive, yo. If 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 Martin Luther King Jr. would have never got assassinated and lived a healthy life, him and Barbara Walters would be the same age. Right. Right. You know what I mean, <laughs> like, civil rights was not a hundred fifty years ago, twenty years ago. That was literally. 50 years ago 1968 was literally i was born nine years later yeah that's that's one i was born in 77 that's you know a one mean? generation it's not it's not like the the mental games that like you get taught i i, I grew up in new york but i went to, to middle school in staten island right very yeah. seg- very segregated borough so mm-hmm. there's so many things that you don't even get taught about like wow. some things that like as you grow up, you don't even realize how messed up it is until you're in your 30s and you have enough mental wherewithal to even think about it. Like the, the, the way I was taught about the Black Panthers was that they were the Ku Klux Klan for black people. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, that's, that's you know, like, and, that, and that's what you think until mm-hmm. like you're a teenager. And even in, in, in addition to, you know, Martin Luther King and all these things that only happened 50 years ago, not that long ago. And they kill you and then mythologize you, but they don't really talk about why they did it. And then the more you do your research and you see what he was saying and see what he was doing and see the power that he had, they do that to all of our heroes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they they have these ways of manipulating your mind to make you think it was it was something. Oh, that get over that. That was 50 years. Like, why are you? 
we're in a post-racial society. It's this. And that play that that fucks with you mentally. 100%. Every single day. 100%. Like, it's- 100%. I mean, I mean, just think about all the all the, the terror that the, that the J. Edgar Hoover-led FBI wreaked uh, on every black movement. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? The Black Panthers, that... The way that they demonized the Black Panthers was so just unnecessary. Right. They took all of their ideas. Wick came from the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A government-funded program, they took, they took the name, too. You know what I mean? Like, like it was called Wick when, it was a, when the, Black, the Black Panthers created it. Yeah. They dismantled the Black Panthers, demonized them, and then took their ideas and then implemented them into the government. Do not ill, and they killed orderly as Fred Hampton, Huey P. Newton killed, you know, Huey P. Huey P. Newton died, uh, uh, um, what, as a drug, as a drug addict, like in front of a crack house or something. You know what I mean? Like they just, they just, they just took the whole uh, uh, meaning of the movement and yeah. just demonized it and ruined those people's lives and ruined what could have been. Um, something great for our community. You think about what happened in, I mean, you say from New York, I just learned, I just recently learned about Central Park. Yeah, the, Central the, Park 5. Yeah. Yep. No, but not just, no, not that. Oh, not just, oh. The actual, what Central Park was before it was Central Park. Speak on it, speak on it. Because I literally, I literally just seen that fly through my timeline this morning and I, well, started, and I, and I went through a whole rabbit hole with it. about the Tulsa, Black Wall Street, which is a huge story. I learned about that maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And just blew me away. You know what I'm saying? Anybody who watches HBO Watchmen, like they could yeah. see kind of where that's inspired by. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the government did that to them. Government blew that place up. Mm-hmm. All right. But I didn't know that. I didn't realize that Central Park before it became Central Park was like a Black Wall Street. It was like its own thing, and 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 it did the same exact thing to those people. So I'm like, yo. You don't like us, right? I'm right. talking about white people. Right. You know, y'all, 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 y'all don't want us around your kids, around your daughters. Y'all don't like us, right? So we go and we create our own shit mm-hmm. away from y'all. Like, fuck it. Y'all don't, we don't want to be with y'all. Y'all don't want to be with us. You Fine. Know. Just let Fine. us be. We're going <laughs> to go to Tulsa. Or we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find a little neighborhood in New York City and create our own shit and leave us the fuck alone. You know what I'm saying? What yeah. happens is when that economic foundation becomes strong and black people become wealthy and prosperous, jealousy, those white people got jealous. That's, that's all that was. And was like, yo, how in the fuck is this guy, how, how are they living better than we're living? Mm. We got to go fuck them up. They had a 400-year head start. <laughs> that seems to be the trajectory of our relationship with white people in general. You right. know what I'm saying? In general. You know what I mean? Like, it seems to be like, as a, as a, as a successful black person, you have to always look over your shoulder. As, as a black person, you look over your shoulder anyway. But as a successful black person, you have to always be cognizant of people looking at you saying, well, how's that motherfucker driving that type of shit? Fuck mm. him. And then, and then, and then, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know what may happen. You know what I mean? Like I live in, you know, Atlanta, 
But I live like on the, in the outskirts of Atlanta. I live, I live in this, this, this town called Smyrna, which is like maybe 10 minutes, you know, 15 minutes outside of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very different than Atlanta. You know, I think people <laughs> have this mystical concept of Atlanta and Atlanta proper is great for black folks. Atlanta metro, Atlanta in general is great for black folks. Okay. Right. But there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a under, uh, uh, under swelling, but not even under just another world. Once you get outside of that metro, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When you go into Kennesaw and you go into Alpharetta, when you go into Smyrna, when you go It's still into Georgia. It's still the South. <laughs> Georgia is, is red as hell. You know what I mean? Right, Georgia right. is warm. And the way that, you know, these, you know, the white people look like, you go to Kennesaw, it's Trump everywhere. Mm. The Kennesaw is like, you know, that's basically, weird. that's basically like Staten Island. Like Staten yeah. Island is a, is a small borough in the mm-hmm. middle of Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, and Manhattan, right? It's yeah. basically, it's basically Jersey West. And wow. as soon as you get in there, I mean, granted, if you, if you ever heard of Staten Island, probably the only yeah. thing you hear about it is, is the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. And Earth Staten they, Island is crazy. Though. Crazy. That's how crazy. crazy. The Wu-Tang Clan was from a project called Park Hill. And it's mm-hmm. only literally a few blocks in a small borough. Every, almost everything else down south, known as the South Shore, mm-hmm. is super Trump-toting, red-leaning, wow. like incredibly the most segregated borough, by statistically the most segregated borough in New York City by far. You know, wow. back dab in the middle of, of this, the, the, the capital of the world, New York City, yeah. right? So it's like... Every firefighter lives there. Every police officer lives there. And that's where wow. that's where Eric Garner got choked out and those cops walked. You know what I mean? Like, we wow. all kind of saw, and, and it kind of leads me to my next question. You know what I mean? I, was, I wasn't living on Staten Island when the whole Eric Garner thing uh, mm-hmm. took place. But, you know, once I saw it and, like, I knew that block and I knew, I know how those cops get down. And, like, you know, my brother was, like, he he used to get like pulled over for no reason yeah. from cops and all this other stuff. So as soon as that whole thing went down, and even when I saw that he he, he passed away, yeah, I knew they were gonna walk just because I know Staten Island, right? Mm-hmm. So with you, we've seen what happened uh, at, at the Wendy's a few weeks ago, oh, and, and Atlanta Atlanta went nuts, yeah, um, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with everything uh, Mayor Bottoms has been talking about, man, I would just like to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, they they've, they seem to have moved a little bit quicker than other states. And oh, states. yeah, I mean, Atlanta proper, Atlanta Metro is, you know, I mean, it, you know, this has been a uh, pro-black civil rights center, civil rights center, you know, since mm. the 60s, and it's been a, Black mayor in Atlanta since 1974. We, we haven't had a white mayor since 74. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, for Atlanta proper, you know, they had to move swift. The, the, the DA wasn't playing. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, Fulton County was not playing, um, especially when they saw the camera footage. Now, we have seen that APD is conflicted. You know, you see people walking out of the job. You, know, you see even black cops who have sided with, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, like you said, you saw the footage after when he went to check on him, like, hey, man, you all right? You called your family, you know? Yep, yep. Uh, when, when the shield, the shield means more than, you know. What's it's the, it's the, the blue wall of silence. That's, yeah. you know, it's yeah. almost like it's, it's, it's a gang. It's exactly. Yeah. Oh, it was a gang for sure. Yeah. So, 
So APD is a is, is split. You know what I mean? You know, and we, there's definitely a conflict going on APD. But I'm gonna keep it real, man. Normally, out of all the police departments um, that I've encountered in the Atlanta area, you know, whether it's you know whether it's Fulton County, Cobb County, <clears throat> Cherokee County, or whatever, um, APD, you know, you want to get stopped by APD, right? You know what I mean? That that's who you want to talk to. You know, you want to get stopped by them. You want to deal with them. You don't want to deal with uh, Smyrna police or Cobb County police or Kennesaw. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's guaranteed that something that happened the other night, that, that night, you know, even though, you know what I'm saying? It, it feels like it will happen. You, you know, that's a possibility. Yeah. It's like you. So I think what surprised most people about this situation with, um, is it Rashard Brooks, right? Yeah. Um, what happened with him was that it was Atlanta police department and that's kind of out of character. Right. You know what I mean, you don't necessarily feel threatened when Atlanta police pulls you over because it's a different kind of vibe, you know, Atlanta, right. Atlanta proper different kind of vibe. So I think that's what really set everybody off. Cause it's like, this is our minute, city. APD. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, this ain't, we, you know, what this ain't Cobb County. This ain't, you know, Cherokee County. This isn't, you know, uh, one of these random, you know, uh, you know, Timbuktu counties. This is exactly. Atlanta proper. That happened in the city. So that they Keisha knew that that was coming. You know, she knew that the city was going. You know what I mean? Because it was like, no matter, like we had never seen. I mean, like I'm saying never, but we hadn't experienced. I know, and I've been in, in, in Atlanta since 1997. Mm-hmm. I know I've not, you know, experienced that kind of energy with APD. I'll never forget that vision of the wall of people stopping the highway. Yeah. And the entire highway, you know what I mean? And, you know, uh, God bless people like Killer Mike who and, and, and T.I. and yourself mm-hmm. and, and many other people who've, who've kind of spoken out yeah. on uh, everything that's going on because Atlanta is one of our black capitals of the world. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, and they're trying to take it. They're trying to take it back. And, I, yeah. and you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's not far-fetched now. You know what I mean? When I moved here, Atlanta was like 63% Atlanta prop was like 63% black, 61% black, you know, now right. it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's 49 and 50, you know, it's like, you know what I mean? It scares it's, me. It's 51 and 49. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's close. It scares and, uh, me. It, it, it seems, it seems a little coordinated and we spoke a little bit about, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and how, you know, there was affluent black people, and then they came in and took that back. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard what's going on in New York, um, but, like, every night there's there's fireworks. Every night. I heard. I heard. Yeah. You know that. what I mean? At first, we're just like, oh, it's the summertime. People getting fireworks, whatever. Like, they're legal in Jersey now. You can get them at 7-Eleven. Like, they're mm-hmm. very easily accessible. But these are, like, M-80s and Macy's type of fireworks displays being let off and i hate to be conspiracy brother but it's like there's i'm almost thinking like there's a point where they're gonna either just desensitize you or like this is their gunshots yeah like the the gunshots or this is like the way like police are sort of like fighting back towards the whole defund the police movements like Mm -hmm. oh you you want to deal with all this and then not want to call us and tell them to quiet down this is how it's going to be like you can't sleep like people haven't gotten sleep for days over this wow and you know it's it it worries me because man like what if you know what if another tulsa happens this is not how i live 
I live in a, a, in a in a small suburb in Jersey, right outside the city. This mm-hmm. ain't happening here. All my friends live in Harlem, Brooklyn, yeah. the Bronx, all that shit. Like these are predominantly black neighborhoods, and they can't sleep. So wow. it's like it's it's scaring me because I'm like I don't want another. These are these are brown and black neighborhoods. I don't want another sort of Tulsa. I don't want another Minnesota. Wow. I don't want that to end up happening here. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's. But I don't know. It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy to think about. Um, let's talk some music. Let's talk yeah. some music. We got we got real deep here. I didn't mean to yeah. get that way, but I mean, that's, I mean, you know, that's I mean, that's the you know, that's the that's the, that's the energy of what's the times right now. You know what I mean? I feel like we should, you know, I'm in a space. Where we should, you know, we should be talking about this every day, so, every day, every day. You know I mean, I don't, I don't want it to get to a point where uh, you know, there's a, there's oh, it's back to normal. I don't think there's a normal yeah. to go back. To. Oh no, the no, the new normal is a new normal. Yeah. You know, it's being created. The what we thought was normal, what we what we experienced, so you know, before the before all of this craziness, mm. um, that's 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 gone. You know yeah. what I mean? We, you know, it's like it's like when nine eleven happened. You know, when nine eleven happened, and then everything was just different after. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Everything's same. Di- same thing. It's different. Yep. Get ready to take off your shoes in the airports, guys. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. Let's uh, let's talk, man. Beacox, you are one of, if not the greatest R&B producer of this generation. Like, and, and that, that goes, that goes without saying, man. And um, there has been you, you literally have a Guinness World Record yeah. as far as chart success from yeah. an unprecedented run for Usher's Confessions, mm. Emancipation of Mimi, Chris Brown's solo debut, Mary J. Bl- like. That run from like two, I want to say two thousand three, two thousand two yeah. to two thousand seven, yeah. unprecedented. Yeah. yeah, unprecedented. I would just like to know the the sort of mind state you were in because you were in the game for a minute, but you caught that that early two thousand stride that you caught was mm-hmm. is something where, goddamn, as long as I hear uh, it's another Beacox joint before a song, <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is we got another one. It's another jam. <laughs> so describe the mental state you were in uh, when you kind of started that run. Well, I'm gonna keep it real. In, in the in the you know, I, I start. I, my, I got my career started in like ninety. I would say officially like ninety seven, ninety eight. I mean, I obviously, I've been making records before and trying to get on. You know, from high school all the way to my first year in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I caught a, I caught a break with this company, Noontime, in ninety seven. And uh, and Chris Hicks is still my manager to this day. Um, so to my twenty three years later, um, and um, and they gave me an opportunity to kind of develop my skills, hone my skills. And then I started working with Jante, a young Jante Austin. He was 16 at the time. I was working with Brian and Brandon Casey from Jagged Edge. We were all just writing songs to to submit to the artists. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then we we caught a we caught a break with this group Ideal, um, just from Houston, my guys from Houston. Um, song called Creep. I'm sorry, the song was called Get Gone. And then that kind of started the started the you know the first the first wave of the bubble i would say mm-hmm. and then so by the time we get to like you know so after i do ideal then we do i do jagged aj heartbreak and then he can't love you let's get married all those songs become hits right so that kind of starts the bubble you know what i mean and me okay. and jermaine, jermaine started working together heavily so i was working at noontime then i go to the south side and work at jermaine's house and that's kind of what started happening so my mindset was just get as much work done as possible. You know what I mean? And I was putting in the work 
and the records were coming out. When that was kind of like, I was just really in a in a in a blessed situation early on because I was able to make I was able to make records on artists that were coming out, and I and I was like dominating the real estate of the album. So like for example, Jagged Edge, Shady Heartbreak. Out of the twelve songs, I produced nine of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I produced four by myself and five with JD. The same thing with you know Ideals album. I produced you know four songs on the album, and I got I, I was so I was I was I was collecting copyrights a lot of copyrights and i was collecting big copyrights like big songs right so um we get around 2002 when it's when the stride starts to really get you know going you know because we did because i did uh at, i worked with Jermaine on 87 on one on usher this. so you got a bag blows up and becomes a big record so about 2002 we start working on what end up becoming confessions and i'm gonna keep it real man it was a blur, man. I just started working and my, and my management had me everywhere. So my manager, my <laughs> publisher had me everywhere. And then I was working, I would always come back and work with JD. So mm-hmm. I'd so be far over the place. Then I would come back and I work with JD for like four days and I, or three days. And I'd get back on a plane and go to LA, go to New York. And, you know, so it just became, I just was everywhere, man. I just, I just, it was, it, I always tell people this, like for me, my career was completely based on proximity. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, um, I, I put myself in situations to be in the proximity of, of wherever the work was happening. Right. So before I was, you know, I grew up in Houston, I was trying to make it before, you know, I wasn't in proximity, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, but that's what um, Atlanta does for you. Yeah. Atlanta, Atlanta put me in proximity. You know, right. I'm, I'm moving to Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta in 97 and immediately I was in proximity of, you know, there's there's Darp, there was there was so so depth, there was Rowdy, there was LaFace, there was you know what I mean, I was literally in proximity of where it was at. You know what I'm saying? So if you've been preparing for that opportunity, you know what I'm saying? All you need is just the door to get cracked a little bit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? For four years I was preparing. You know, I grew up with Beyonce, Kelly Latoya, and Latavia, and I got I got a chance to You recorded to, their their demo deal, their demo tape, right? On, I worked on the I worked on the uh some of their first demos. Um, when I did first demos, it was like when they got a deal with Columbia, mm-hmm. they came, you know, I, I, I was really on Beyonce and them bump was like, yo man, I really want to do a song for you. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew they had a record deal and, um, and we would talk about it all the time. Cause me, Beyonce and Latoya went to the same school. I was a senior, they were freshmen. Okay. But I knew them before because Houston had this small circle of kids who was a part of this program called the people's workshop. Okay, and and it, people's workshop was like you know it was like a, a series of performances that led up to this big award show called the Sammy Davis Junior Awards, right? So we all knew each other from that circle of talent shows, you know what I mean? Um, and so when uh, they got to my school, I just was I, I knew they were signed already because I've been talking to them already, and then I just was on their bump was like, hey, yo, man, give me an opportunity. I got songs, you know, and we and we clicked first of all. So because of that, it was like, okay, cool, you know, and then Beyonce, you know, talked to her father. And um, the next thing I know, her father comes to the studio to hear some of our songs. And the next thing I know, a week later, they're in the studio and we're cutting records. And it was literally the day that I realized, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. Before it was, <clears throat> I was trying to figure out if I wanted to be in a group, if I wanted to be an artist, if I wanted to be a singer, if I wanted to be, you know what I mean? I don't know, you know what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Right. I knew I had all these different gifts and I was trying to figure out where I wanted to place the gift and, and, when I was sitting across from, you know, from them in, you know, in the studio 
coaching vocals and stuff like that, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? And that set me on my path. You know what I mean? Um, so what was, what was Beyonce's, uh, I think a lot of people love to hear these Beyonce stories because mm-hmm. she's, she seems like one of these people that were just like, you know, we remember her from Star Search and, you know, yeah. from, you know, coming into high school as a freshman with a record yeah. deal and you knew and, yeah. you know. Yeah, we, what, all grow, we, all, we all watched her, we watched her grow up. We all grew right. up with her. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was, what was the work ethic like? Was she still like that, that sort of like, ridiculous. this is what I'm going to do was, sort of. No, it was ridiculous. It mm-hmm. was really insane. This girl was like 13 years old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And her work ethic was I never seen her. It actually, it actually messed me up because she's 13 at the time, 17. Mm-hmm. I think I'm working hard. You know, I think I'm going after it. You know what I mean? And she came in there and it was like, I, I, I see it. it's really hard to describe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's really, you could, like, for example, because like, Kelly is incredible, incredibly talented too, right? Really, right. really talented. And Kelly was not as confident. Right. I mean, she had a she has a, she had a natural ability, and she was in, incredible. But I think that, but Beyonce know, had the confidence. The, she yeah, knew at it. the time, I think Kelly was just trying to find her thing as a person. You know what I mean? You're 12, 13 years old. You're young. You're young. You know what I mean? Right. Beyonce came across like she knew. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? Like, like they're both equally talented singers. Yeah, incredible talents. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think Kelly now is, um, I mean, she's coming to her own in a way that is amazing. Like Kelly, you know, she's just an incredible individual and a, a, just a dope, well-rounded artist. And her voice is phenomenal. She's like a young Whitney. You know what I'm saying? I think people don't really give Kelly the the props. They need to yeah, give her. It's, 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 you know it's the Pippin disease. It's like, yeah, yeah, like we love Jordan. Jordan's great. Yeah. But like, let's not, you know, I get yeah. it. I totally get it. But, uh, but Beyonce at 13 was 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 unbelievable it was mm-hmm. like word you know what i mean like she just was just so she was on it it was like whatever whatever was instilled in her or whatever she was born with she had it and she always had it right it, was, it wasn't you know what i mean what it was like, it was never uh there's you you always hear this about the like i love hearing stories about like these idols that people mm-hmm. have grown up to before they were like worldwide known and some people you're like you hear stories like oh well you know they weren't all the way there yet they were still kind of figuring it out but there's those certain people that always had it right mm-hmm. like I, I was i saw i saw something with sarah silverman the other day mm-hmm. and they were like dave Chappelle as a teenager had, always it. had it. I always had it. And some people always have it. Beyonce was one of those people, I'm assuming. Beyonce, let me tell you this Beyonce was Beyonce was so far ahead that we went to Foreman Arts High School. Right. right? She was a she was a vocal major in a Foreman Arts High School. And she was in eighth grade, and I was in twelfth grade. Okay. And and she would never sing. She would never sing at school because okay. I think she knew that you know how girls are a little catty and girls be, you know. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think she knew that if she, cause we had a lot, we had, it, was, it was a lot of singers at our school, a lot of right. girls who could sing, and a lot of girls who could sing, who were really talented. Okay. It's almost like when you know that you got, got, you know, got the glow, you know what <laughs> I mean? I felt like she was dimming her light at the school. You right. know what I'm saying? Because because at the end of the day, it's still high school. It's still yeah, people are still, still like, catty. She was already, 
she was already fighting an uphill battle because of the way she looked. And every guy in the school wanted to, I mean, every guy, every nigga in the school was trying to talk to her. You know I mean? <laughs> so we only have 600 students. You know what I mean? Yeah. Only 600 students out of 600 students, there might have been maybe 90 black kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 90 black kids, maybe it's 40 black guys. I'm talking about the entire school, ninth to 12th grade. Right. If every black guy <laughs> in the high school <laughs> is trying to talk to one Girl, you know what I mean? And like, she could sing. And she's <laughs> and like she's a superstar. Out. Yeah, like, I, yeah. So <clears throat> I think that she kind of, she had the presence of mind early on, was like, mm. I'm going to just, because this is not going to be my life anyway. I think she knew, like, this is not going to, so I'm just going to just chill. I'm not even going to, you know. Right. I'm because I have a record deal and I don't, I, I, I don't want to get tutored and I'm not going to a regular high school. Right. So I'm here because, I can't go to regular high school. So I'm just going to just, you know. I think that would be an incredible position to be in. Like, the, the way I'm thinking about it now, it's like, okay, well, yeah, she's she's still in high. Like, you always think, like, well, everyone still has, like, a sort of, like, school-like experience. But, like, mm-hmm. you're coming in there with a record deal already. They had a record deal. And deal. that's great. They walked, they walked in the room. They walked in the, stu- they walked in the school, signed Columbia Records. Right, right. And you know what I mean? It's... Um, I can you know. only imagine how difficult that could be, you know what I'm saying, where you're almost at high school just to pass the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, that's basically what it was because it was yeah. like a year, and then and then after that, it wasn't even a whole year. They were there maybe maybe right up until March. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they kept having to go to Oakland and work on the album. They, they were signed at um, Dwayne Wiggins. Right. So the Wiggins had to deal with Columbia, and they were signed his production company, and you know they had to keep going. To, they keep going to Oakland to work, to work on Oakland, and LA to work on the album. You know what I mean? And that, I knew a lot about that because I was talk, I, would, I would talk to them like every other day when they went to Oakland. Like I would call them, we talk. You know, my mom would let me call them on a long distance. You know, because my mom knew that that was something that, that, that these were my friends. It was really happening, and my mom knew that's what I wanted to do, and she knew that that was a big source of inspiration for me. You know what I mean? And um. And so she would let me talk to them all, you know, all hours of the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just knowing like, you know, some, you just know when you see people and you just got it, you just got it. And then of course, when they came back and they had finished the album and I went to a performance, um, like a performance they had where they were like doing like, you know, kind of playing the album or something like that. You know, some, they were doing like something. Like a listening session or something? No, they were actually performed at this session. It, it, oh, okay. it, 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 like a showcase. It was like, it was like a showcase. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and I remember being like sitting on the side of the stage with Matthew and saying, yo, those are my friends out there. And they were so on point. They were so together. You know, it was just, it, I had never seen anything like that. And it just really, you know, it's like up close and personal. Like, my God, it's my, those are my friends up there. Like, they are <laughs> rocking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just took that energy and was like, okay, I'm going to Atlanta. And that's the energy that I, I use that energy to kind of propel myself into the business. You know what I mean? All right. So you get to Atlanta and you, you, you're still writing with your boys. You're writing with the, the brothers from Jagged Edge. You're writing mm-hmm. with Jonathan Austin. Um, tell me about that first single that came from being around that group. Like, what was, um, what was the, the, the first thing? Was, was, it, was it Let's Get Married? No, no. The first hit record that came from that group was was Get Gone. The record I did with Ideal, Get Gone, right? Five R and B record, top ten, Howard Hunter record. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was on my, you know, these were my friends. Also, they're from Houston. Um, 
Um, my cousin Donnie was there. It was their musical director. So it was kind of like a family affair type thing when it, okay. when it hit. Um, I remember uh, when we, I remember, I remember because I was working on, I was working with Brian and Brandon, right? Right. Jonte, who's my friend because we were close in age, so that we always were kind of joined at the hip anyway, because he was 16, I was 19. So we always kind of joined at the hip. Okay. But, but he was writing with Teddy Bishop. It's a producer named Teddy Bishop who did, you know, I, I produced a Just Be a Man About It with Teddy Bishop. He did, mm-hmm. uh, he did Aaliyah's Missing You. Like, you know, he has some, some joints out, you know, Teddy Bangs. made some joints. Yeah. So um, he was basically Teddy's writer. You know, Newtown, the way I had a setup was like each producer had like a writer they was working with. And Teddy was working with John T. Heavy. So my manager, Chris, like, yeah, I'm going to put you with Brian and Brandon. They asked about you, so I'm going to put you with them. So they put him with Brian and Brandon, and we started making songs. And during this era, we were making records. We made a couple songs that ended up being on Jay Heartbreak. We made a record called Healing, a record called What You Trying to Do. We made a couple of records that were like, a buzzing around the studio, like, oh man, they made some joints the other day or whatever, whatever. So Jonte had heard what you're trying to do and was sort of bugging me like every day, like, yo man, I need a track like that, man. I knew I, I knew I knew one of them guitar tracks, man, give me a track. So every day he was bugging about this track and I was like, well, I get to it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I was really in a zone with Brian and Brandon and I was like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to break my zone, you know, with them. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you got Teddy, you know, I'm not going to break my zone, but literally, but we'd hang out every day after the sessions, you know what I mean? So literally every day is like, yo, Brian, man, give me one of them tracks, man. Give me one of them tracks, dog. Give me one of them tracks, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. finally, I go in with uh, the guy I co-wrote the track with, his name Kevin Hicks, um, who's my manager's brother, actually, ironically. Incredible okay. guitar. We went in and we wrote this track and did it really quickly. It was like, yo, I came with the progressions. I said, yo, the progressions to play this, whatever. And we wrote the track and uh, I kind of just threw it together to keep it real because I was just like, man, I'm going to just throw it because he was bugging me about the track. And I was like, I'm just throw this record together and just give it to him. So I threw it together. I threw it to dad. And I said, yo, man, you know, rock, see, see, see what you can do with this, right? So he, Jonte goes home. He cuts the demo, comes back. He plays Get Gone. I'm like, oh, this song is fire. You know what I mean? Like, I go, okay. So wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. I didn't really put too much into this track. We got Now we got to figure this whole thing out. You know what I mean? And, um, and then they, my, uh, my manager, Chris, sent it to their manager, Ideal's manager, Carmonique. Yeah. And I know I was on a plane to L.A., my first time going to L.A. ever. And I'm on a plane to L.A. to to cut the song with them. You know what I'm saying? And so when I'm in L.A., I'm, I'm, I'm really now annoyed because the, the track is not as good as I want it to be. Because the song is, like, phenomenal. I'm like, man, this track's not And now you're like, I got to perfect this now. I can't just. So we get the vocals done. And then uh, me and the engineer stay after. And I'm like, okay, listen, man. And luckily, the guy who recorded it actually mixed it to my friend, Manny Mariquin. And, uh, and um, we, uh, we, uh, I, I just, I, I mic up the piano. I say, yo, somebody go give me a drum machine. Somebody go, you know, I'm just like, yo, let's just, let's, just, let's get it going. You know what I mean? Let's just pull up. I say, yo, mute all the drums. Just give me the guitar and the vocals. And so now, then now I go into a space where it's like, let me make this, let me now make this track mean something you know okay okay and then after after you know after i made the track and i realized something too man it was early on you know i didn't really know how to use the equipment that well you know what i mean yeah so the guitar if you if you listen to get gone right and the guitar has a metronome in it because at the time i didn't know how, <laughs> how to, to tighten it all 
Yeah, I just like the metronome of when I was sampling the guitar, I would not um I said, so the, so the, there's, there's a metronome throughout the whole track, but Dude. it worked. But it worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but so so then so then um, so yeah. So we finished the track, and I'm like, yo, this, this shit sound dope. sound crazy to me. I was like, man, this is you know the first time I'm able to kind of really produce in that manner too, where I'm able to kind of just break things down and build it back up, mm-hmm. you know. And I you know that was the first time I I'd ever done that, and I was like, yo, this is. This sounds crazy, and and Manny's mixing as I'm dropping things inside of the track. So when it was over, I'm like, man, I, this is a masterpiece. I was like, oh, this is a hit, you know. I didn't know what it, I didn't know what a hit was, but it just felt like this is it just felt right. This. Yeah, and then the song comes out and it blows up, and uh, becomes like the first, you know, big record I have. And I mind you, simultaneously, I'm working on Jagged Edge. I'm working with Brian and Brandon simultaneously. Right. So. They take while while ideal is happening, they take the songs that we made, demos we made, and they go plan for Jermaine. Right? So Jermaine hears the demos like, yo. Were you and Jermaine? Did you and Jermaine know each other yet? I didn't know him at this time. Okay. I didn't know. This was before I knew him, before I met him. Okay. Um, I I just knew Brian and Brandon. Brian and Brandon, they're they're the connection. They're the reason why I even know Jermaine Dupree. The twins introduced me to Jermaine. Right. So they um they played the played the tracks for J, for JD. JD then was like, "Yo, who was this guy making this music with y'all?" You know, it's like, "Yo, it's this kid B Cox. He's down there, you know, at noontime or whatever." And uh, he just, you know, just just a young kid over there, just making making beats. Nobody was really paying attention to him. We wanted to work with him, so we started making records together. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "Yo, I want to, I want to meet, I want to meet him." So then, long story short, I go to they have like some showcase for Trina. Uh, uh, Jermaine had an artist named Trina Broussard at the time. And they had a showcase for her. So we go to Rio Mall for the showcase. And then I meet him at the showcase. He's like, yo, man, give me a number. I'm going to call you. So I give him my number. He calls me like maybe two months later. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, okay, man, I need you to come to the house. Because we were going to finish Jagged Edge album. You know, and I was like, okay, cool. So in the midst of us finishing Jagged Edge's album, Get Gone comes out. And it's his you know, big record. I'm like, yo, you know, I produced that record right there. He's like, really? You know, it's like, it, you know, so then it's all, it, it's just, it was always this, um, I was always working at, working on multiple things at the same time. You know what I mean? And they would just come out and be like, oh, okay, that, that record came out too. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? And then uh, the very first song me and Jermaine did together was a record called Keys to the Range. And then the very next song that we, that we wrote together was a song, was, was Let's Get Married. Wow. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. So, you know, it was uh, it was moving fast, and then the album was finished, and it comes out, and then so you understand. Ideal was out. Get gone was 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 a hit. He can't love you. I mean, he can't love you. That was the last song for the album. And, and how old you, how old are you at the time while all this is happening? Ninety eight. Mm-hmm. I was uh, twenty. Wow. I was twenty. As, as, like when I was making these records, I was twenty. Nineteen, 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 and turned twenty. And then records came out in ninety nine. So yeah, I was twenty one when like when like Jay Harper came out ninety nine. Ideals album came out ninety nineteen. So I was twenty one. So I, I, I celebrated my twenty first birthday right before these albums. Um, these albums came out. You know what I'm saying? That's incredible. So um, so yeah, That's so yeah, incredible. so. so uh, yeah. Uh, last couple of questions. I don't, I don't want to yeah. take up too much. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's all it's good, a, bro. This is a fun talk. So I can, I can talk to you yeah. for hours about this. Yes. <laughs> um, man, uh, two albums that I, I believe 
really shaped the sound of R&B for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You had a big hand in them. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big nerd for these two albums, uh, The Emancipation of Mimi mm-hmm. and Confessions, right? Yeah. yeah. Confessions, for one, I, I, I mean, I know you worked on 8701, but I don't remember an album getting so much hype before it came out, like, at, yeah. at that age, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was a teenager at the time, and the hype for Confessions, especially with all the rumors and mm-hmm. Yeah was out, and, you know, we heard, we saw the... I think they put out like the first part of the confessions video. So like the hype yeah. album was crazy. And then it surpassed all of it. One of the highest selling albums of all time. Yeah. Like, critically like yeah. everything an album can achieve. It achieved. Yeah. On the other side, the emancipation of Mimi, Mariah Carey kind of, you know, had some sort of breakdown, meltdown, whatever people want yeah. to call it. You know what I mean? This is her big comeback album. A lot of people didn't think she could do it. And not only did she come back, but like she almost, that album, just sound-wise, just changed the way so many people made songs just because it felt so hip-hop. But, you know, a lot of the records were just so soulful with her voice on top of it. With those two albums coming back-to-back and having such a heavy hand in in the creation of both of those records... Mm -hmm. In your opinion, which one probably means the most to you as far as being a creative and being in the booth and like and in the studio and everything that went into the actual creation of these songs on these albums? Uh, What's interesting is that um, I would say, I mean, they both mean tremendous. They they both mean a lot to me in different ways. Confessions means a lot because we were in the trenches together. There was not really a lot of turmoil. There wasn't mm. a lot, you know, dissension. We were just kind of working. We were all on the same page. And there was, it was just a beautiful, um, just beautiful energy. It wasn't mm. no, it wasn't pretentious. It wasn't somebody trying to, you know, it, 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 it wasn't manipulative. It wasn't okay. somebody trying to manipulate the situation because they wanted to, 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 to gain something. Okay. Um, the Mariah thing it's a little bit of a sore spot for me that that particular album mm. it, it took her to bring it back around to make it make whatever was going on right right why you know was I mean? that a sore spot well there was some internal things happening that I was unaware of you know I, I, I wasn't aware that certain people felt a certain way about me and Jermaine's relationship, and they were mm. trying to create dissension mm. amongst us. You know what I mean? And almost was successful at it. It almost really went down. You know what I mean? Wow. You know, we, um, um, was it like creative differences? Was it like, y'all no, about to throw hands? Like business? business? Okay, it business. okay. It was, you know, I was signed at noontime. So, you know, I was never, at the, at the time, I, was, I wasn't contractually, I had a non-exclusive agreement with Social Death. It wasn't, like I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't a, uh, like they weren't making any commission on me. Me and Jermaine had a deal that outlined how much money I would get per per record mm-hmm. to write with him and how, you know, how much publishing I would get. You know what I mean? And that was that. So it wasn't like I was, I was free to go work with whoever I needed to work with without, without having to go through him or go through the company per okay. se. And which means that I was placing a lot of, a lot of records outside of him. You know what I mean? Or outside of that system. You know what I mean? 
Um, and I think that people inside of his, not everybody, but certain people inside of his camp kind of saw that as like, you know, I don't know if it felt like I mean, it might have been disrespect or, I mean, I don't know what they felt like it was, but I think they kind of felt like, well, when my deal was up with noontime, mm-hmm. I would just automatically sign an exclusive deal with So So Deaf. And me and Jermaine had a conversation about a deal, not necessarily that kind of deal, but like a joint venture type deal that we were going to do. Where I was like, yo, I'm going to start this company. You can own half of the company. And we, we kind of talked it through and it was going to happen. And he was like, cool, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, I'll, I'll give you half of my company, whatever. You know what right. I mean? I just want to, I just want to do it. Yeah. I want us to keep, this on the heels of, this on the heels of confessions when we had this conversation. So mm-hmm. I just want to keep this vibe going, man. So I'll give you 50% of my, 50% of my company. I don't care. You know what I mean? You know, we're already working. I don't even care. You know what I'm saying? So you, so, you know, and he was like, cool. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, give, you give me, <laughs> hell yeah. You know what I mean? And we were moving in, the, in, a, in a really, really proper direction. And then when I got the deal, it wasn't the deal that we talked about. And I'm not quite sure if he knew that. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think his, I think his handlers, his attorneys tried to pull a fast one. And I'm not quite sure if he knew what was happening. So, um, I didn't, I didn't sign the deal. I was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to keep the deal that we have already. I don't have the, I'm not going to sign this deal. I don't know what was said to him, but then next thing I know, you know, they have another session. Like we, we did shake it off and we did a song called, can I get your number? And I was supposed to come back to do more songs. And I, and then next thing I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I couldn't come to the studio. No, it was just crazy. It was like a wow. wow a wow, abrupt, uh, abrupt separation. I've kind of felt like it was people who were, who were, who were around him at the time and felt, they felt the way about what was happening. And, um, and it just stopped. Like literally we stopped working. It was like, wow. I had you no know, idea. We, 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 it stopped. Like, I would say maybe six months, six months to like eight months, six to eight months. It might, it might've been a year. What was it? I don't think it was a full year. I think it might have been maybe six to eight months. We didn't work. It was like I stopped getting called. You know what I mean? Wow. Uh, to come in and we hadn't talked and, you know, it was kind of strange. So in the midst of that time, I'd already made two or three songs on the album. So we had to communicate. I had to communicate. My mom had to communicate with the company to get my, you know, my, my money, you know, my, my producer advance and work and work my contracts out. And we did that. But it was like, that was that. They made We Belong Together, and it was kind of like, once they made that song, it was like, that was we're done, yeah. right? Damn. So so what happened was, so so then in the midst of that six to eight months, I mean, I still was working. I was working on a bunch of stuff, you know, whether it was Chris Brown, or whether it was, you know, I was working on a gang of shit during that mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. So, it's the Chris Brown uh, debut album, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is when he was like 14 years old, 15, he came to kick it with me, this then the third. I was working on a gang of shit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So in the midst of all this, the Mary thing, the Mary opportunity happens. You know what I'm saying? The opportunity to work with Mary, the conversations start. Okay. For you know the breakthrough. I mean? Yeah. The conversations start about us working on a breakthrough. Cause Chris was, had been, had built a relationship with Kendu and then at the relationship with Mary. And then he started playing her joints and she was loving all the joints that he was playing for like justice league and my boy, Dave Young. And you know, he had, he, so, so he used that as a, as a segue to kind of put me and Jante in play. And I got a call. Now, mind you, we've gone together as the biggest record out at, at this point when I get, when I get this call from mm-hmm. Jimmy Iovine and Jimmy's like, yo man, you know, everybody thought that I 
was credited on that song. I, I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? But I think people just assume because me and Jermaine were working together on so much stuff. I think they just assumed that I was a part of it and I, I wasn't. Um, and um, I got a call from, I get a call from Jimmy and he's like, yo man, I, I need a record. Like, you know, I, I need a rhythmic ballad for Mary. Like, you know, like the one y'all did for, you know, for Mariah. And I was like, which one? Cause Shake It Off was out too. Shake It Off was a hit too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, which one? I said, because there, there's two records. One of them I didn't do, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, you know, the one, the, 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 the one, the, you know, we belong together. So I didn't do that song. You might want to call JD Emanuel because I didn't do that. Now you want to break like, you know. Like you know he, he, yeah, but he was like, but I was like, I was like but I mean, I, he was like, but can you make a record like that? I was like, yeah, I, that's, <laughs> of course I could. You know what I mean? Let's do this piano and drums. Of course I could. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's Jante. <laughs> of course I could. You know what I'm saying? And so I um I I I called Johnny and was like, yo, listen, man, we have an opportunity here. Do do you wanna do this? So he's like, hell yeah. So I I I made that I made that track in like I may be without you in like eight minutes. Like no doubt. I just wow. I just I I made it I made that track so fast. Wow. You know, at that point <laughs> when you feel like you I didn't even realize it at that point what was happening, but I felt like the energy was like, I felt like I had something to prove. Right. Cause you're still, you're still kind of like not holding on to it, but like the, the, the JD thing leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. But, 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 but and it wasn't him. Like I said, it, right. it, it just wasn't the situation. Him. Just the situation was kind of just wild. And everybody was like, it felt like everybody had turned against me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they were telling him. I just didn't know what was going on. I was literally in the dark. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So go from being illuminated and knowing everything that's happening to not knowing nothing at all <laughs> and having to talk through attorneys and mom got to talk to his mom to get the payments right. And you know what I mean? Like to not like to me and him not talking at all and not being able to talk to him was really freaking strange to me. I never experienced it like that. You know what I mean? So, um, I was like, man, you know, I'm going to keep working. I mean, I got to survive out here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to not work. You know what I mean? Right. So I just kept working. And then the Mary opportunity happened. It was like, okay, cool. The Mary record comes out and it, 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 I mean, blows up, right? In the midst of that, Mariah does a repackage of emancipation, right? She calls me. Mm. She's like, yo, I want you to come and write a song. I, 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 I want you to write a song. I want you and Jermaine, you know. So, how, so when was the last time you talked to Jermaine? I was like, I've not talked to him in forever. You know what I mean? And she was like, okay, I want you and him to write a song. I, 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 I want to do a song with you and him. I, I, I want to add a song to this to this um, repackage. Okay. And I, I, I want it to be you. I, 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 want, I want me, you, him, and Jante. That's what I want. And I was like, I got no problem with JD is my man. I said, Yo, I said, Mariah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know what I'm I can't I can't explain to you what happened. I don't know yeah. what happened. One day I was cool and I was at access. The next day I did not. I don't know what happened. Right. Jeez. So then um I get a call after, after I get the phone with her, I get a call from Diane, who's worked for JD. And she was like, yo, can you be the studio today? You know, so I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. I went to the studio and literally we walked in the studio and it was like nothing that ever happened. <laughs> literally we walked in and it was just like the energy was right. Everything was just right. Yeah. It was just right. We made, don't forget about us. And then from there, we just been joined at the hip. You know what I mean? Wow. Since then. So it's been kind of like a, 
I don't know where that blurb, you know what I mean? And I never spoke about this. It was just kind of yeah. like, well, y'all know it's business. Yeah. And then y'all just got back. Never spoke it. about it. Mariah brings it up a lot. <laughs> she like she likes to throw it in our face. But yeah. we never talked about what happened. I, I, I don't even know what happened. That's a weird, in, the, in a weird way, that's almost always how, like, men get into arguments. We never really yeah. talk it out. It's like, all right, we cool now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't know what happened. All I know is that, you know, all I know is that it, we, we, it, we, it, we never were not cool. Like, I'd see him out, you know what I mean? Like, you know, they, they, they were winning songwriters of the year and stuff like that. I'd see him and we'd hang out and shit like that. So it was always cool. Right. It just... I wasn't getting called. <laughs> you know what I'm I was like, well, what's going on? And he was making a bu- he was doing a bunch of projects and I wasn't getting called for none of it. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. I was like, what is happening? I didn't get called for that Jagged Edge album on Def Jam. I didn't get called for, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff I didn't get called for. I'm like, yo, what is going on? They're doing whole, they're doing, they're doing Jagged Edge albums without me? This is crazy. And I oh, remember just God. being like, well, I can't, I can't, you know, they're going a different direction. I got to figure my life out. And right. I remember just, I went out and I did it. I was like, okay, cool. I'm doing, I'm, 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 I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to do Chris Brown. I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do that one. I'm going to do, I'm going to just do what I, do what you, I can. When's the last time you and Chris Brown worked together, man? Because it feels like the, the sound from that first album, that first debut album, which I still love to this day, to now has been, you know, a, a little bit of a stark contrast. When's the last time y'all worked together, you and Chris? Uh, Sister, since Exclusive. Exclusive wow. was the last time we worked together. Um, and I think, you know, there was a, uh, I just think that he went in different directions. I think that after the thing, you know, after his incident, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like, you know, I kind of felt like the community as a whole kind of, you know, did a number, the music community did a number on him. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, did an about face. And I think that, you know, as anybody would, he took it personal. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I don't, you know, me and him, are, we're good. We're cool. But I feel like, the closest we had before, I think there might be a little bit of resistance there because, you know, you, you know, people, you know, when, it, when it, when it was bad, you know what I mean? You know, everybody kind of just did it about face, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Before getting like, you know, the full in depth, you know, story or, or the, or the complicated history of right. the relationship, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and as a, as a, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'd be laughing. I always tell my son, I'm an old man now. As a as an older person, you know, um, you know, you just you, you, I think that he was, I think that the we he went in a different direction because the the business, the industry pushed him in that direction. You see what I'm saying? And it, and it's it's obvious too. Like yeah, you, I, feel you like, I hear, feel like you can hear the distinct difference between post yeah. that incident to now, where yeah, I think it's a lot more edge. Yeah. yeah, the industry pushed him there. So if I'm going to be this person, if you if you guys want to paint me this way, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then we're gonna I'm gonna live my life. We're gonna because it, it's still a cloud right now, and it's been you know it's been years. He done, then it got back together and broke up, and you know what I mean? like <laughs> you know what I mean? like 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 everything should be like just water on the bridge now. He still, yeah. you know what I mean? To this day, he still see, and we still. see how old girl get down. So even all, you know what I mean? On top of all that, you know what I mean? I mean, no, no disrespect. You no know what I mean? No disrespect to it, no. Disrespect at all, but I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? It's, you know, they were kids. They were, they were young. You know what I mean? She was older than him. They were young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't know what was going on inside of their um, relationship. You know what I mean? You never but know, like, man. You but see how the business, the business shifted him, and he ended up being this big star anyway. They tried, yeah. to, sh- tried to stop him. 
the business tried to, they tried to, they tried to shit on him. They tried yeah. to stop him. You know what I mean? They literally, physically tried to stop that man's movement. You know what I mean? Took his endorsements away, all that. They tried to make that man, they tried to, they tried to cancel him. He was, he might have been the first person. He was the person. first person I, I remember yeah. being canceled. Him and, him and Kanye the first, was the first yeah. two people I remember being canceled. They tried to cancel this guy. Yeah. They tried to cancel that man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he shifted and used whatever pure energy that he was going through and made it and, and, and made it through and became like, I mean, and, and still thrived. And as a huge artist, one of our biggest, brightest stars still. To this day, you know man. Mean? To this so, day. I mean, uh, one of the best performers we've seen. Like he's, I tell you all the time, Chris Brown's one of my favorite artists of all, like period. Like, well, I mean, man, just even from the sheer volume of music he's allowed to put out. And on top of that, just, there's nothing that he hasn't succeeded at musically. One of the nothing. best dancers, one of the best songwriters, one of the best mm-hmm. rappers. One of the best rappers. Singers. I mean, how about that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing like, he hasn't succeeded at. So it's just like, it's, he's, he's in it, like, say what you want about him. The talent can't be denied. He's an anomaly, dog. Can't he's, be he's, denied. He's, he's one of those people that when he was a kid, it was like watching him. It was like, yo, this kid is, he's out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a kid, he was out of it. Because he was like, like 14 years old. He was like six feet. You know what I mean? He was, he was, <laughs> t- you know what I mean? He was like 15 and like a, a man. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I remember the, oh, have, you know, have like, him saying that he can't be 16. I'm yeah. like, all right, clearly he's like, lying, but. Yeah, he was, like a, he was like a man. He was like 16 and a man. Like tall, <laughs> lanky, moving all over the place. You know what yeah. I mean? They were just into it though. Like when, like wanting to write early on. Like, yo, man, I want to write with y'all. You know, and and I know that those sessions he learned a lot. I know that he learned a lot from John Tay. I know he learned a lot from Adonis. I learned a lot from me and Kendrick. I know he did. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because he was so in it. Like, and he had ideas, you know, at the time he was trying to formulate them. He couldn't really formulate them properly, but he had incredible ideas. And I was like, yo, this kid's going to be a monster. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, we knew early on he was going to be a monster. You know what I mean? And, um, and I mean, look, I mean, he's a monster. He's a, you know, he is. You know, still um, is. And, uh, and not an industry owes him a, they owe him not only, oh man, you know, so I might get in trouble saying this, man. Damn. <laughs> I, I, I the industry owes him an apology, man. Really? You know I mean? Yeah. I, I wanna, you know, I mean, you know, everybody is everybody deserves a right, reserves a right for redemption. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Who are we to judge? Nobody is in position. To be to be fair, I mean, to, to be fair, like yes, he was, you know, he did serve his time. You know what I mean? He did what was... Hey, what, it was wrong. It was, he was, and I it was 1,000% wrong. I don't it was lie, indefensible. Bro. You can't do... You can't, you can't defend him. You I'm, can't I'm, defend I'm, very, I want to be very clear. I'm not defending his actions. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you are. All I'm saying is... completely out of line. You know what I'm saying? 1,000%. All, all I'm saying is, like, to be fair, there was a point in time, even after the incident, where he was still... You know, like there was yeah. the thing at the Today Show that was, right. you he know, was, him getting the like he was, he was, yeah. he was yeah. giving the people what they wanted. Like they wanted a bad boy, he became I, this bad boy because he, he wasn't that. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. He wasn't that. That's what I'm saying. I I knew him before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before the the that period. Right. He wasn't that. He was. I mean, he was always an edgy kid, but he wasn't a bad kid. Right. He's a good, he's a funny, fun-loving, good guy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? 
And but you, if something happens in your life that your know, decision you make that turns your life around, it flips your life inside out. We, we said this in the beginning of the podcast, man. We as black people have in like internal defense mechanisms, right? Yeah. So like when something happens in the outside world and it turns you into something else, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like you got to go into defense mode. Like, and you almost can kind of see that. And, and gr- again, nobody's defending what he did, but you mentioned the way that the entire industry shunned him and how much talent he had and how His much talent he- prevailed. Yeah, like he had to, you know, he had he did what he had to do to succeed. So I mean, I don't know if the world owes him apology or nothing, but yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm saying the industry, the industry, right? Industry. Right, right. Okay, okay. Not the world. I can the see that industry. I can see that, especially that, when, you, when you see what's happening in the industry now. Yeah, I mean, that, that, look at what's happening. Look man, at all the people that getting exposed. The same people who was man, I mean, who on this guy, they're getting exposed for the wildest shit ever. Way wilder. You know what I'm saying? Way so, wilder. So for me, not the world, the industry. Okay. The industry. Okay. Because now that same industry is benefiting off of his progress mm-hmm. right now. That same industry that shitted on him, they're benefiting. They're benefiting that same industry. You know what I mean? <laughs> with, with the ratings, with the streamings, all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So that, 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 not, yeah, I, I, I might have said world earlier. Not world. <laughs> I, 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 had to, I had to come and save you there. I'm like, no, no, no. I appreciate <laughs> Remember, I was like, I was like, I know the sound. You're going to get in trouble. I was like, I, I, I knew what you were trying to say. I'm like, all right, let me, let me, let me round it up for industry, you. Industry. <laughs> industry owes him an apology. Please don't put the bed that I said the world. Oh, the trust industry. Me. <laughs> this is the, the beauty of podcasts. The beauty of yeah. podcasts is you get context. You don't just yeah, see a headline yeah. and be like, oh, he said yeah. this. Well, yeah. Um, the industry, the industry owes him an apology because that same industry that shitted on him, that that made that 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 was rallying to turn people against him. They were they were they were actively yeah. rallying to turn creatives against him. People didn't want to touch him. You know what I mean? The industry was they the industry did that to him, mm-hmm. and he said, "Okay, I'm going to take a, a unknown writer producer named Kevin McCall, and I'm going to take a rapper that nobody really gives a shit about." Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> to make a song, you know what I mean? And it's, you know what I mean? Number one. <laughs> he basically handed Tiger his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nobody I, knew Tiger before that. I remember when Deuces first dropped, and uh, and you remember like I think uh, if he had a couple records that really was alright, but didn't really hit. Well, like, right, it was but it like, wasn't like it was I, like I could, it wasn't I like I Transform You was another one, and yeah. like a couple of other graffiti was the album, right? Nope, but nobody even gave the album a chance, though, because it was just coming off the heels of... It, it fell on deaf ears. fell on deaf ears. But Deuces dropped, and everyone was like... It was honest. It was honest. It, you could tell that he was coming from a place that was like... Oh, yeah. It wasn't like, I'm just going to try to gloss over what happened and start making pop records again. It was like, okay, this is what's really fucking happening inside of me. You know what I'm right. saying? This is how I really feel. This is what was going on. And it was authentic. It was real. And mm-hmm. people, no matter what is going on, unless you've done some wild, you know, I, and listen, you know, you listen. Know what I mean? like people like, have there, done, people have done wild stuff. There's, there's some, there's certain people I know that can't bounce back. There's one right. person that I can't. In I, particular, I'm not going to say his name either, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> one person who can't bounce back. I don't give right. a fuck how hot or how, you know, 
real a record this person makes. He, he who that. shall not be named. I yeah. can't even look like he has yeah, no like that, he, in the group. He's Voldemort, bro. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying for Chris, it, it, I just think that people, I think people just identify with that record. It was like, yo, he's being transparent. Mm-hmm. The first time it felt like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't strategized. Right. It wasn't like, oh, it's you know, artistry. There's a difference like, between making. There's a difference between making a song that's a product mm-hmm. and making a song that's artistry. Yeah. And you know when all you when you don't have the industry behind you, we don't have none of that stuff. All you really have left is whatever that artistry is from. The record blew up and in it, the midst of, you know, what people was trying to, you know, in the industry mm-hmm. was shitting on them. Absolutely. So it's really, so really interesting, man. But yeah, please, yeah, yeah, let's 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 definitely get this in the right context, man. I, I definitely I will. I definitely please, will. I, I'm not please, angry. Please, <laughs> please, please, it's hard. Please. It's hard out here for me. I'm glad you called me too. I'm glad I was trying to. Find the right thing to say because that's not what I, you know, I didn't want to say the world, you know what exactly, I mean? Exactly, exactly. Well, I, I, I can already see, I can already, already see a, a black oh, yeah. like, we old Christmas. No, that's not what he's saying. That's not please, what he's saying. Hear please, the whole yeah, context, yeah, hear the yeah, whole context. Like, industry, and I guess you could, you could even say his success, his success right now is almost like the industry's apology for him because if they really wanted him out of there, they would have got him out of here. But because I mean, look what they did, though, you know, look what they're doing. Look you at know? the Voldemort. So, like, yeah. <laughs> <What are you laughs> doing? the fact That's, that he's that even, person is done. done. That person is done. done. I, I mean, it's terrible, and you know, it's. It, that's done. You know what I mean? You can't, you know, that, that rightfully so though. And it's a hundred thousand percent. So it should have been done. That's the worst part. It should have been done. Like after every, every sketch, every joke we made, every stand up, like it should have been done. No, we all knew about this. We all knew about this. And people just let it slide for so long. He should have been done. I think it at this does. point, it's better late than never. Yeah, you know, at this point, it's like you know, I mean, literally, like I said, you don't even speak the person's name. Mm. It's like you know, I don't even want to speak his name. It's like he's Voldemort, bro. Yeah. Uh, so last last question before we get out of here. I'm a big fan of verses. I love the yeah. verses series. I think uh, you know, in 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 everything that's going on in this world with the pandemic, the one thing that has really benefited is quality music, right? Like, 100%, it's a hard, 100%. like, it's going to be real hard for people to, to come out with, with, with senseless, dumb, oh, it's going to, it's going to music, be fire right? now. You got to come with it. Right. So the versus battles, in a weird way, has kind of set up, you know, the template to where I think music is going to end up going in the next couple of years. And one of my favorite versus battles was with your boy, John to Austin and Neo. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Because it was just... Like art, like I said, you can commodify art, but true artists like will always stand out. And that battle had got me thinking: if you were to be in a versus battle, yeah, who do you think would would outside of your boy Johnson or, or, or JD? Because yeah. I feel like those are the easy the easy ones. Who do you mm-hmm. think would 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 you would like to go up against in a in a hit for hit battle? Well, I wouldn't go up against John T. or JD because we have so many records together. Right. You know what I mean, right. um, 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 
and we and we crew like we like we're around each other you know before mm-hmm. the pandemic we was, i mean i spent every day with jd so yeah. you know what I, mean? Um, I mean that's why i like the songwriter battles though because yeah. there's so much there's so much respect True. given to True. each other it's very classy True. it's like it's like a gentleman's battle yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying i feel like i mean everybody's been you know in the beginning you know the the, the general consensus was that you know they wanted me and rodney to go mm-hmm. to go um you know to do a versus rodney together. jerkins yeah mm-hmm. and i felt like we were moving in a direction and then um Rodney got on Joe Budden's podcast and said something, you know, they, I guess Joe Budden was just kind of egging him. I, I, I don't know what, what, what happened, but he, he said something and then it just, it, it, people kind of was like, ah, oh, that was, you know, in bad taste or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but I know that. Bad taste on his part or? You know, something or... that was said, like, it was just like, you know, like it was, it's one thing to be, um, competitive, but it's nothing to be, you know, where it feels like it might be a little disrespectful. And I think that, I think that came off wrong. And then, so me and him had to have a conversation and it wasn't like no bad shit because me and Ronnie are friends. So it was like, um, I mean, honestly, that's probably all the more reason to do it now. (laughs) We talked about it. And then, and then me and him did a conversation. We did a master, not do mastery. So me and him did mastery and, you know, like my thing is I want to shine a light on producers and my, my colleagues, you know what I mean? Um, that's a different vibe than versus because oh, I want to highlight certain records and kind of you guys tell me the story mm-hmm. of these joints. You know what I mean? So I've done Rodney, I've done No ID, I've done Bink, I've done uh, Hitmaker, we've done Dream, Sean Garrett, Carrie Hilson. Um, so now, so our trajectory is different than versus, but what I appreciate about versus is that they along the way they've I'm obviously been involved with it since the very beginning I've been talking to Tim and everybody since the very beginning and along the way they basically created a format because initially it was no format it was just kind of like a free fall and after the Sean Garrett dream thing and it was like they was on for like three hours going back and forth with just random ass records and I Mm. think that that was like okay wait a minute let's 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 give it a thing let's let's reel it in like now it's a show and that's now why it's like a, a full production. That's why the Neo Jante thing was so instrumental because that was the first one that had those rules, that set mm. those rules, right? That's why that's why it was so dope. You know what I mean? Um and I think the dream in Sean Garrett was entertaining as fuck. And it oh, was thousand percent. And it was and it was enlightening because they played a lot of records that you probably damn they did them records, but they played a lot of records. And Sean Garrett, my man, my best <laughs> It's my guy. And Sean is crazy as hell, but that's my nigga. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, um, on the sauce. <laughs> it was entertaining for sure. Yes. You know, and um, and Dream is my guy. Like, I mean, super talented. These guys are, you know, just highly, highly talented, highly intelligent uh, songwriters and performers. Um, Incredible. But what I can appreciate about Versus is watching the trajectory. Now it's like, you know, the whole Apple, the Apple, the Apple deal that they made where they, now you can watch them on the, on the actual Apple TV. You know, they're getting all the sounds rigged. They, they got the sound right, you know, so now, you know, they, they send you little packages to make sure the sound is correct and this, that, and the third. I like the Versus actually when they're in the same room. Like, I yes. like the Beanie Man. Um, oh, my gosh. That, uh, that one? Yeah, that, that one was crazy. Crazy that 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 was, was a part. It was a part. It was me and my fiance just dancing that in that joint the whole night, the whole crib. I'm like, yo, we don't, that even, one was need to, crazy. We don't even need to go to Brooklyn tonight, baby. We I know, right? <laughs> that one was crazy. So nuts. And then 
And then, you know, I like, I like, I love the John Legend, uh, Alicia Keys one the other night because it just, people, I just like energy when you're in the same room with the people, it's a different kind of energy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The level of respect will automatically be, you yeah. know. It's, it's the- easy, it's easy to disrespect somebody digitally mm-hmm. instead of being in the same room. Yeah, but I'm 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 keeping it up. Every one of them has been has been unique and great. Like the like the the the, the um the Fred Hammond, uh, Kirk Franklin one was really really I mean incredible. That was the, dope. Hip Boy and Boy Wonder was dope. Yeah, that that, I, that they I mean they really created something that is, I mean, phenomenal. Really, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's yeah. weird. It's like in in the in the era of like. Not a lot of people buying, going out and buying physical CDs. Like you've seen the statistical jump from people's streams after these yeah. battles. Like people get like 300, 400% stream increases yeah. from being in these battles. And it's like, whoa, like now, now it's not just a fun thing. Now it's like, okay, this is good for my It's brand. creating, it's economics. Yeah. <laughs> and Timberland and Swiss created it. And it's, um, you know, I know for them, it's like, you wouldn't even thought that this would be a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, mm-hmm. but it's a thing because of the pandemic, and we stuck in the crib, and you know, out of out of necessity, you know, you creates innovation. You know what I mean? So they really innovated the game. Like they've innovated the game in a way that is. Um, this might this might outlive a lot of the records they've ever produced. <laughs> you know what oh, I'm oh, saying? No, like, it's going to absolutely outlive it. Hold on. This is. Hold on, let me finish up. We'll talk about it when I finish, okay? Right, we got last question before, before we wrap up. I know we've been on this phone for a while, but this is a great, great combo. Um, at, 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 now that this pandemic is, is, well, we're still in the middle of it, but like now that mm-hmm. this is kind of like a new world we're living in and, you know, everything going on in the world um, socially with, with, mm-hmm. with everything, with, with protests, how do you believe that this point in time, this year 2020, is going to affect the way you approach producing music? Man, I feel like we've always produced music with a purpose. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the catalog, it's not really a whole lot of fluff in there. You know what I mean? You know, I've always tried to produce music or create music from a, from a perspective of get, putting love into the atmosphere or being, you know what I mean? Um, with some purpose. But I think now um, I'm hoping that artists, more artists will want to say something right. meaningful. Um, I'm hoping they'll be open to those ideas. I'm definitely going to pitch them. You know what I'm saying? Um, and do my best to create things on my own. That's like, okay, cool. When I, when I get in the studio with this one, you know, I'll play them these three ideas. Then I'm going to play them the, you know, something I think they should say. Right. Um, um, I just, I, I just, I, I feel like you're not alive inside if you don't want to say something about it now. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this this is a this is a this is a moment where it's affecting all of us in a real way. And especially if you got kids, you know, I got I got I got a nine year old son, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's it's a it's it's really put uh just as just as far as like creators, I'm not a, I don't write songs or anything, but just no. as creators are concerned. It, it really put a scope on what you want your legacy to be. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, because everybody has had to come face to face with like your mortality, whether you've liked it or not. And, you know, it makes, I mean, I'm gonna keep it real. A lot of things have happened over the past few months. Yeah. That really, that is, that that's affecting me. Like, you know, being, being stuck in the crib one, you know, the first two weeks, I didn't know what to do, Mm. you know, because at the end of the day, when you live the kind of life that we live, you know, we, you know, as creatives, we're always moving around, you know, when I'm, I'm in a studio, I'm ordering food. I'm just, you know, just living, it's becoming a normal, just something as basic as eating. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the studio. So for the most part, I'm eating out every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was at the crib, man. It was like, yo, I can't cook. Like I don't know how to cook. <laughs> I can't order. Like I, I, I need to, I need to, I need to get this together. Let me go to Charlie. Get a YouTube oh. recipes or something. You know I mean? I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to eat Campbell's soup every day. For the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, something as basic as that. I'm like, oh, shit, I better get my act together. So I picked up a few recipes. You know, um, you know, you, you, you become, you look at your life, I look at my life um, totally, totally in a different lens. Actually, I look at my life in the lens right now of my 18-year-old self. Mm. Which is crazy because, you know, we all go through things in our lives. And my 30s were really, really rough. Um, the, 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 you know, personally, with relationships and the loss of, like, you know, my aunt and the loss of my dad. And, you know, just, you know, 30s were, the 30s going into the 40s were rough, were rough. You know, I thought I was going to get married. It didn't really work out. You know what I mean? So you go through those type of things, things that you ain't really that – I never thought I would go through, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I kind of lost like my way as far as planning. Cause I, oh, I'm, I'm a planner. I'm a person like, yo, listen, these, these five years, this is what I want to see happen. And a lot of times that's how a lot of my life manifested. Right. Right. So I've been, these couple of months it's been just about reflecting and looking at my life and saying, okay, yo, where am I stagnant and why am I stagnant? And what am I going to do to, to remedy that? You know what I'm saying? And it goes back to the concept I said earlier about proximity, right? So Atlanta is a great town creatively, right? Um, business-wise, music business-wise, it's not my business. It's not the business that I came up in. It's a different kind of business. These, you know, the young folk got it. They, they got it. You know, right. the young creatives got it. They, they do business in a different kind of way. That's a different kind of movement with the music and the whole nine. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, have I outgrown my place in the city? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then once you make that decision, okay, well now what do I do? What do I, you know? And, and that's where I've been, you know, in the past couple of months, just figuring out, I mean, I, I, and I hadn't thought about that because I hadn't stopped long enough to, to figure out what around. was wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I've had nothing but time to really think about well, what is what is up? You know what I mean? Like what is what's really what's really good? This, this is speaking to me right now because I'm I'm in I'm in, I'm 33 right now, so I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in the same sort of like okay, now that I gotta stop, I'm like, all right, what's what's, what's next? You know, what's what's really next? Like my 20s were really fast, like I was, mm-hmm. you know doing a lot and yeah. working a lot and all this stuff. And like the thirties is like when things started to kind of slow down, I just got engaged and like, it's, you know, I, I've had business dealings kind of like come in and fall apart and I'm still, you know, so like right now I'm just like, okay, this is, 
this is sort of the time where you have no choice, you know, but mm. to really not elaborate. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you have no choice but to evaluate. Evaluate, yeah. How far you've come, you know what I mean? Like in, mm. in this sort of industry, you never really get a chance to really stop. And now that we've both done that, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm not like I like I said, I'm not a songwriter. Mm-hmm. I, I create content, I, I produce all this other stuff, but like this is, you know, now the time where I could finally really focus and know and, and plan. Like you said, yeah. I'm a planner yeah. also, you know what I mean? And a lot of things don't manifest unless you plan it first. So whoever's listening to this, man, I hope you get some some good gems out of it, man. Um, B Cox, anything else you want to leave off with before you, you head back to the kids? <laughs> um, man, just you know, be aware, man. Like, open your eyes, people. You know, what I mean, you know, there's a lot going on out here, man. I try not to uh submerge myself in uh what's happening because it, it, it can directly affect your mental health, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you have to be aware, man. Like, like there's a lot going on out here, man, and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta vote. Yes. Um, I'm not one of those people that's saying, you know, uh, um, that's saying, oh, I'm, I'm this or I'm that. But I'm, you know, as far as political is concerned. But I will say that you know what's right, man. You guys know what's right. You, you know what I mean? Like, like you, you I, I refuse to believe. I mean, some people may not know what's right. But right. most of you know what's happening right now is out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like most of y'all know. You know what I mean? Like, and you just, you know, whether it's a tax break or whether it's a, you know what I mean? For whatever reason, you know what I mean? To see people support something that is just. So abhorrently wrong. I mean, like, at, at one oh, point, at one point, if, it, if it's not next year, if it's not in the next five years, 10 years, you got to look yourself in the mirror and be like, Damn, I really did stand for that. I really, yeah, like, I let I just let that happen. Like yeah. that's that's something you got to deal with. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when you're older, when you have kids, where maybe you have a daughter one day, she brings home a black son, and yeah. or something, and now you, that's your family, and yeah. you but like it's so many things, so, so many, many things, things that that you know, you like you said, you know what's right from wrong. And hopefully, you know what I mean, whether it's November, whether it's tomorrow, and everybody everybody in New York listens to this, you vote for your primaries tomorrow. Tomorrow mm-hmm. is the day if you're in New York City, go vote. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, just do the right thing, man. We, we're, we're, we're better than this. We're better was, than this. <laughs> like, yo, you know, we're better do, than this. It's, you know what's right, man. You know what I'm saying? And um, outside of that, just, you know, I'm, I'm doing mastery on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesday, Jante does songwriters Thursday. I do, I do, uh, producers. Um, I also do a virtual party called love zone, um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I, 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 I usually do them Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturdays, but I think I'm going to trail it back to just two days. So Tuesday and Thursdays, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, man. And, you know, finishing up Usher's album. Um, Ooh, I, tell me about that. How's, how's so, that going on? I mean, it's going great. I think that we're at the end of it. You know, Keith is uh, the head A&R on it. So, you know, we 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 all, me, him, JD, you know, we all you know, trying to pull it together and figure out what's what. Do we got a but, name uh, for it yet? 
I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they, you know, they they were they were tossing around the Confessions two name you know, early like last year, wow. so that kind of kind of hit the net. So I don't know if we're still in that space. We haven't we haven't talked about it in a while, so I don't know if that's still where Usher's headspace is. Okay, um, but the album is phenomenal. I think that I think that the fans are going to get what they want. Don't waste my time. It's the number one song on the R and B charts. Yes, and- sir. XB came out and is doing well. And so I think that he's he's in a really, really cool space, like a really good space as an artist, um, we're bridging a gap with the with the, you know, with his core audience and and we're building new fans, you know, you, you young fans. So um I'm just I'm looking forward to that. Um I have done some work with Division. So they have a couple I have a couple songs on their on their new record. Um um, of course, Jada Kiss. I did a Jada Kiss single with me, um, and uh, I'm just working, man. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the lab. I'm cooking up, and uh, you know, we're still at it, man. B Cox, man, this is a great talk. Thank you for coming by. Say less. Stay yes, free. Sir. Stay clean. Wash yes, your sir. hands. You know what I mean. Please. And uh, <laughs> the mask on, all that. Hey, yo, all I do have a question though. What's New up? York, New York. You guys are. You guys are. Are, are getting better up there like we're the, doing the, all right we're doing all right like the, you know they've 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 got phase two started today we're, we're mm-hmm. still in the green so mm-hmm. we're still like lowering uh you know the, the amount of infections and people mm-hmm. coming in but they've been they've been on it like cuomo's been on it like we can't you can say what you want about him say if he's grandstanding or yeah. trying to set up to run for president but dude's been on it when it comes he's to this disease up. He, yeah he's setting up correctly the police brutality stuff, maybe he could work on that a little bit more. <laughs> but as far as he's addressing it, though, he's addressed it. That is true. He, he he's, he's not get, acting he's like bills, he's trying to get bills laws passed. He's addressing it. I, yeah. I, I got to his props. He's, he's been it. he's been doing his thing. He's been doing, a lot of people. You know, I, I don't trust a lot of people don't trust politics as much as they should. I don't either. But yeah. as far as everything I've seen, as far as the the, the disease and all the protests and. He's held it down. He's held it down. Yeah. I've seen I've seen worse jobs be done. Is what oh, I'm yeah, saying. Trust me, I'm living, I'm living in Georgia, bro. Trust me. <laughs> well, because man, be safe out there. Take care of yourself, and hopefully, we'll do this again soon, brother. Yes, sir, man. All right, take it easy. All right, bro.